0: Welcome to The Great Indoors, the podcast series where we discuss the technological and cultural implications that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on our daily lives and how technology has enabled us to live a normal life as possible given the, the circumstances. Please subscribe to our podcast on all the usual podcast channels, whether that's Google, Apple, Spotify or SoundCloud, and also visit our website amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. Now today we're going to be talking about a subject very close to my heart and very close to my pastime, my favorite pastimes, and that is sports. Uh, Sports has gone through a dramatic change in the last six months and it's back here in North America. It came back in Europe a month or so prior to that. And we're going to be discussing the positive effect that sport has on our lives, the negative effect when it's gone, the technology that is enabling us to see sport again, and how things will look in the future with the advent of 5G and the use cases around sport that can be utilized there. And I'm really, I'm really proud to introduce my guest for today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Nick Fitzy Stevens. So Nick is a native of Braintree, Massachusetts and lifelong die-hard Boston sports fan. His passion for his team's comedy and seeking the approval of strangers led him to create his alter ego, Fitzy, a satire of and love letter to the foul-mouthed fans he attended Boston sports with growing up. Nick studied at New York University and his internet videos and social media have entertained and enraged fans for years. Nick has appeared as a host and a giant talking head on many TV and web networks for the past 15 years. He's now part of the WEI family in Boston, and uh, he co-hosts the Greg Hill Show on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So, Nick, welcome to The uh, Great Indoors.
1: Uh, it's a pleasure to actually be sitting outdoors, ironically, while recording an episode of The Great Indoors with you, Matthew. Thank you for having me, and... Um... I want you to know that feel, you can feel free at any time to not just refer to me as a native of the Bay State or the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, uh, of Braintree, but actually, since it's in the Oxford English Dictionary, you can feel free to call me a masshole at any time. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I think that's great. And that's novel. We haven't had someone on this podcast series do this from outside. So I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's, uh, and we're thinking our next series should be the great outdoors anyway. Uh, yes. when we're finally, well, um, let out of our, uh, basements.
1: Oh, I, I know. Listen, I celebrate any opportunity to partake in an audio series named after one of my favorite John Candy movies, but <laughs> I, I, seek every opportunity, it's funny because yeah, you say that because, I I know we try to spend as much time safely indoors and away from any sort of external, you know, the pathogen, the virus, or any, put ourselves in in harm's way, but, you know, not that it's, I want to go down a data hole right now and start talking about, well, you know, it doesn't transmit as easily outdoors or whatever, uh, but anytime I can do anything outdoors just to get a little bit of fresh air, even the opportunity, I'm so grateful to have a, a little uh, house on Cape Cod where I can escape, and I can bring my technology outside and just enjoy the salt air and a little sunshine while conversing with you it's uh it's 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 a respite this this year I know this year is such a downer, but it's really the small victories right now isn't it yeah
0: exactly exactly
1: and um i I'll, I'll just give our listeners a bit of background
0: on you Nick please and jump in if i've misrepresented you at all. Uh, Like I said, Nick is a diehard Boston sports fan. Yeah, I do.
1: (laughs) Go Bruins. Yeah. Let's go, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Get me a beer beer over here, kid. Let's go. Yeah, Matthew. (laughs) Toronto sucks guy. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And look, I think it makes it, I said this when we first spoke, I think we are, kindred spirits we are. in our connection yes. with the Fenway sports group right because mm. I think um, our listeners know I'm a big Liverpool supporter John Henry came in and we won our first uh, Premier League title in 30 years and you know I want to say thanks Nick I want
1: to say thanks uh listen first of all uh you're, you're welcome uh, it's a pleasure. At least we could do. And it's very funny because you're on the other side of the John Henry appreciation bell curve, right? Because right now in Boston, the Red Sox have begun this abbreviated truncated ridiculous uh, baseball mini season uh, six and 11 as of date of recording here. And the fa- fans of the Red Sox who are some of the most diehard and loyal fans in all of professional sports uh, really don't like FSG. They don't like the Fenway Sports Group management, ownership, a- a- at all. They think that they spend too much time focused on uh, Roush Racing, that they spend too much time focused on Liverpool. They're angry that the a potential all-time franchise player like Mookie Betts was traded away, citing, citing financial duress. And what's, what's bananas about this all is that this ownership group, which came in around 2002, beautified Fenway Park, gave us the monster seats, expanded the seating capacity, and did the best that they could with uh, the little gem in Kenmore Square, America's most beloved ballpark. We, don't forget, like, the, the curse of the Bambino existed for nearly a century. We lived under thumb of the New York Yankees, and the old saying around town, Matthew, used to be, ah, the friggin' Red Sox, they killed my father, and now they're coming for me. And now, here <laughs> we are 16 years later, and the Red Sox have won four World Series, and yet fans of the team... Loathe them, and yeah. here you are, just in utter, yeah. in utter awe and appreciation of them because they help lead you to your first premier. Um, uh, premier, premi- see, I almost said it like you. That's what's so darling about the British accent. I wanted to say Premier League, but I wanted to say Premier League because it's just so, <laughs> and so, and so and the, the pronunciation is so great. But you have your first Premier League title in over thirty years, which is awesome. Congratulations!
0: No, they, and look, you know, they are more, they are Liverpool royalty now, right? Uh, you know, particularly Linda as well, Linda Pazuti. So they're more popular than the Beatles, I think, in Liverpool right now. So wow, I think this this connection, I think, is uh, is amazing. And look, it takes me back to March, right? Because back in March, everything stopped. Yep. But we are on the cusp of the first title in thirty years. It had been a great season. I was super excited. My life was taken over by the climax of the season and and, and getting ready to celebrate and then everything stopped. I mean, it was just horrifying for me. Yeah. And how did that affect your local community, you know, the teams that you support and yourself personally, Nick, with the job you have as a broadcaster on WEEI.
1: How were you feeling in March when this happened? The impact of life slowing down de- like coming to a complete halt th- uh with the this the global pandemic and the spread of coronavirus and the quarantine that we went into for weeks on end um it it's it's one of those like this has been a year full of you won't forget where you were when moments two of which were really like li- uh, seminal lifetime moments and they happened within a a week's time i remember as as far as you know, my boston sports fandom and how that affected both what i do as sort of a a performer and comedian whose passion for sports fused with uh, my filmmaking skills because I'm a film school graduate from NYU and the performer skills and savvy I learned from my parents with a theater background and I kind of put it all together in new media 15 years ago and have made my way in a non-traditional capacity now to working in traditional media having worked on a few broadcast networks and now for the WEI Sports Radio Network out of Boston. Uh, I remember where I was sitting on the sofa with my wife, I believe it was the evening of March. 11th, when we found out that a player for the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert, had tested positive for the coronavirus. And that led Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, to lead the shutdown of all basketball operations. And they were the first league to shut everything down. And they had to stop a game mid-game, and they had to send fans home, I believe, from an Oklahoma City game. And I remember sitting on my sofa with my wife, just hearing that happen and the sort of not paralysis that we went into over the fear of the unknown, but rather just the unease. Like it was, it had never, I'd never, none of us had ever experienced anything like that before. Was it, I can only imagine that's what it felt like. Uh, it was almost like that the unease in which you felt sort of like on the day of nine 11, or I imagine that people felt, um, uh, maybe perhaps the day that JFK was assassinated or what it'll eventually feel like whenever there's an alien invasion and we finally have, uh, you know uh intelligent overlords from another galaxy it was so surreal and so uh d- disturbing at, at once, and then we found out Tom Hanks had tested positive that night, and it felt like our world was just collapsing around us it you know the the fact that sure the Boston Celtics were doing well, and the Boston Bruins were on top and that they found a way to resume their seasons uh in these sort of like playoff bubbles is is remarkable, and it seems that those those infrastructures are working right now and it's given everyone something to focus on and enjoy. Although, you know, it is kind of weird watching the opening rounds of the Stanley cup playoffs in the middle of a heat wave in August is kind of like, you know, having a, a margarita outside in the middle of February. Like I, I, I don't judge, but to each his own, it's just a little bit weird. Uh, but at the same time, okay, let's, let's party. As to how it affected my life professionally from the, the content that I try to create, which I use oftentimes as a jumping off point for what I do on the different radio shows I'm a part of and podcasts and Facebook live engagements, you know, you run out of things to talk about after, after a while, uh, at least, at least you did it first. And then you find out that you uh, and the people around you are far more resourceful and creative than you gave yourself credit for. And so you don't just talk about the games. You find that you've experienced so much sports that there's a lot to look back on. And you fondly remember some of your favorite games and, the the highs and lows of your sports fandom. And I think that I think we relied on that just long enough. Um and and I think, you know, people, you know, took time to appreciate each other. And, you know, whenever you would get just a, a glimmer of live sports, whether it was a horse race here or a golf tournament there or geez, even live cornhole on ESPN, it became <laughs> it became it became something remarkable that we could all talk about and enjoy together. And I think I think that Matthew, that's what we're all sort of coming to realize uh sports means to us now even as we can't go be there live and in person and i do miss the excitement of fans being at sporting events but i think the one thing that we're that we realized during the shutdown and then now resumption of major american sports is that it's such a common bond it's such a great uniter it's such a source of inspiration and yeah. it levels our emotional and social playing fields and you know the the wealthiest person in the world can feel like they're on the bottom when their team loses. And somebody who's a popper with, you know, know, merely a few pennies in their pocket can be on top of the world when their team pulls off a shocking upset or wins a championship. And I think that's, what's so great to have that to talk about again, because while it's been fun to review old sports and I enjoy, uh, you know, spinning yarns and listening to people tell tales of, you know, the things that they made for their Etsy page, or how they became sourdough bread bakers—I will definitely take talking about Celtics Lakers any day at this point.
0: Yeah, and it, it was there was a lot of reminiscing, right? I I, I saw so much, uh, you know, looking back on old games and and commentators saying, "Well, you know, we're going to replay the England West Germany semi-final from 1990 on TV tonight," but unfortunately, the result stays the same the Germans went on penalties right you know and and things and but also you you raised a good point there Nick sports is something that brings communities together yes and when a community is splintered by by COVID-19 and they're looking for support they're looking at something that unifies them the sport had gone we did a session where we looked at at mental health just last week and and people, there was a doubling, there was another pandemic and that was the mental health effects caused by the isolation and the complete change in their lives. And I think about England, I think about soccer and a lot of the the supporters of some of the big clubs are from low-income backgrounds. They don't have, you know, they're not wealthy people and every penny they earn, they put into that, football club you know that is their life that's what they do at the weekend that's a religion to them and with all of that stopping you know the effects on 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 communities could have could have been i mean uh, thankfully everything's back but devastating Mm -hmm. but now it is back it looks a little different it feels a little different it sounds different i watched the nba the other night and it was it, it sounded you know without the crowd there and how do you think technology has helped bring this bring this back because um you know like you said the bubbles have been effective the tv stations uh, are up and running now with with everything in england they they just put it out on the the non pay per view channels and the non subscription channels to get the sport back into the community right but how do you think technology has helped bring it back and and will continue to take it forward
1: Uh, I I think, well, I mean, technology is sports, you know, you know, hidden enemy and and greatest friend because sometimes sports rely too much on technology, whether it's uh, instant replays or a discussion of having, uh, you know, a laser filled robotic strike zone uh, in in baseball or, you know, like having a a field measured by cameras. it seems to make sense, but it, it it takes a human element out of it. But you you want a more perfect game with the fairest result possible. But then again, you know, it is a game, and it's for entertainment purposes. And sometimes it's great to have that, that loss or you know that frustrating moment that you can bicker about and always look back on and that controversy. Yeah, and controversy like that. You know, I, I can think of a football game last year. Not that I should be anyone to complain, because as a fan of the New England Patriots, I've been living the highest life possible. I mean, it was a it was a veritable Roman Empire that we were a part of for the past 20 years. Uh, Sidebar to what we talked about briefly a few minutes ago. I I think I uh, talked to you about this briefly when we first conversed uh, about a week ago or so, but one of the side effects of this whole pandemic and the shutdown of sports was that you know on St. Patrick's Day, a holiday that is now officially canceled here in Boston and throughout the greater New England area, that was the day that we heard that Tom Brady was going to be moving on from the New England Patriots. Under normal circumstances, that would have been a day where, you know, grown men were weeping on each other's sh- shoulders. But of course, we, you know, it's hard to cry on another guy's shoulder from six feet away with a mask on. So we, we, we couldn't really, like, mourn his departure or, like, not that we should have because it was 20 incredible years, but the pandemic kind of forced us all to say, oh, man, that's terrible. I just have to worry about the fact that I'm now working from home and I have all of my kids at home and I'm afraid of catching this virus that we know very little about. So it kind of stunted our mourning over the departure of probably the greatest sports hero in New England history. Now, as far as technology back back on topic, as far as. Getting a little uh, window as to how my mind works. I'm somebody who usually has at least three different kinds of browsers open at the same time, and I'm just toggling back and forth from like, I've got this on Safari, I've got that on Firefox, <laughs> and don't forget these windows on Chrome. Um, it's a very, fru- it's a very entertaining but frustrating experience. My life. Um, as far as technology helping us now, I would say it's 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 enhancing. You know, people will say like, well, the broadcast I've heard a lot of people say the broadcast doesn't feel the same. I don't feel as though I have the same emotional investment because I can't hear the fans there. And therefore, I don't feel like it's as thrilling to me, which I understand. But, you know, synthesizing the environment by uh, playing sound effects, you know, not that we need a laugh track to enjoy a sitcom. I mean, I'm sure some of your favorite programs, just like mine. are are single camera comedies now and they don't have laugh tracks and they're not a traditional three camera setup like they used to be on TV programs of old. So while I don't need a crowd to tell me when it's time to cheer or what sort of emotional wave to ride, at the same time, I appreciate the effort to try to – you know what it's bringing us? It's bringing us a little bit of a sense of normalcy. Right now, like I said earlier in the podcast, it's all about the small victories now, Matthew. And whenever you can feel like you're part of something, that's what sports – i I can relate so many of the great moments of my life, the highs and lows um to to i can I could tell you what sporting event happened around that time or how I was feeling during this great victory, this championship or this crushing defeat so when you can feel like you're part of something again, like oh, this game feels like it matters, it's a game seven even though there's no fans there because uh, that they're pumping the noise in and the announcers are doing their best and we I know that like at that same moment, you know twenty million. Fans and friends all across the country could be watching it the same way that maybe, you know, we felt when we watched Game of Thrones or anything special that that uniting feeling technology is doing a great job of trying to just bring a little bit of normalcy back, whether it's a, a familiar sound, uh, your favorite team's graphic or theme song when they score a goal or make a basket or, you know, even them pumping a little artificial crowd noise through the broadcast every now and again, which I really have no issue with. And I appreciate the effort.
0: And I I'm watching it right. I don't see any with the players. I always thought that the players could be a little bit more lackluster without the support of the live crowd behind them. So you know they say in in Liverpool the cop is the is the twelfth man or is the, is the twelfth player and really pulls them through when you know they need to to raise the game a little bit. But the one thing I was amazed with, and I know they're professional athletes they're, and they're super professional and they're paid a lot, of course, but they're their their uh, vim and verve and passion for what they're doing seems doesn't seem diminished to me at all which i think then is contagious for the fans right they still they still see that the players are a hundred percent in what they're
1: doing and then
0: you everyone gets behind
1: it again of course and i can't tell you how much i'm looking forward to as somebody who has cut his teeth on and takes pride in in doing you know what we call man on the street work or i call fan on the street work i'm really you know i just like to describe myself i mean yes i'm a professional broadcaster although you know uh, a, a cursory view of a couple of my videos and you know 5 minutes listening to me on the radio and you'll say that's well, <laughs> a pretty loose definition of professional there you got buddy i like to describe myself you know as uh, as a fan of the people so i i i love being able to engage people and talk to them before the game I, football tailgates are my favorite thing to do in the world outside of spend time with my my wife and kids and I'm saying that because maybe they'll be listening, <laughs> but and I but I mean it as well. Gee whiz, I've spent an awful lot of time with them this year. <laughs> they're terrific. Um, they're the best. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I love, like, there's nothing gra- better than the, ex- I mean, you could probably say the same. I've only been to, you know, one English Premier League match and I've been to one American football game at Wembley before, but there is nothing like the march into the stadium, the pregame beverages, the rituals, yeah. the cheers, the food, the and, and the way the food and the beer and the drink and the celebration and the chants and the cheers change regionally, uh, whether you're going to college sports or for different American sports and the songs in the stadium. And now that we're missing that, You know, it puts impetus on all of us to make sure that we create our own little tailgates and we have our own special viewing parties and create new rituals at home. And that's part of, you know, that's part of what this year is about is 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 doing that at home and making sure that we don't let those traditions die uh, among us as well. But I'll tell you one ancillary side effect to the, the games not having any fans while the while the athletes are still. You know, putting their best foot forward, and some of them giving incredible, incredible efforts, uh, because, like you said, they're professionals, and because their livelihood and their and their contracts are are on the line. I kind of love the fact that in some of these stadiums and during some of these games, where they haven't pumped too much artificial crowd sound, we're getting a lot of raw, unfiltered athlete sounds and dialogue. Yeah. So now we're hearing yeah. the, the exchanges between the NBA players on the floor, which are very intense. I've heard. I've heard some things from a couple of golfers um, and baseball players that when they fouled out or struck out and they've uh, they've cursed. Uh, The other day during the PGA Championship in San Francisco, there's a golfer by the name of Justin Thomas who had a very makeable 10 foot putt to get himself back in the upper echelon of the pursuit of the championship. And the commenter said, "Here's Justin Thomas for 10 feet away, Uh, really makeable putt for him." He takes the putt, misses it, and then he just screams out and they, you know, hot mic. He's like, you've got to be blanking, kidding me. And then the announcers were like, all right, there we go. Sorry about that, folks. I mean, that's, these are our takeaways from this year. Well, remember, this was the year of the uh, accidental expletive. This was the year of the hot mic. This was the year of the non-traditional get-together. So in hoping that every year that we're blessed with to be sports fans and to be alive on the great ride of life presents something memorable, while this year is one that a lot of people would like to uh, take a mulligan on, if you will, at the same time, it has given us more than our fair share of memorable moments up until uh, right now, the middle of August.
0: You know, the one trend I've seen uh, since sport has been back, and I, I noticed this more with the English sport, more people are watching it than ever before. Now, that could be just the fact that there's nothing better for them to do <laughs> because all the pubs are closed. But the the biggest ratings of some of the sport, the, the you know, the FA Cup final between Arsenal and Chelsea – had more people tune in to watch that than ever before right so i think sport has also been a coping mechanism right i think for people in their isolation uh, and like you said before now it's back people feel that glimpse of normality back in their lives and and it certainly helps society
1: yes you know it's it's funny because this year is so anxiety ridden in so many ways and people are stressed out over their health and the well-being of their family their job sports is the welcome stress that we bring into our lives you know I I feel my heart race whenever my team is doing well or the game is winding down and you're in the final minutes of a crucial playoff game or a championship and I've been so fortunate to to witness and cheer for so many of those over the past 20 years during an epic run as a Boston sports fan but those stresses we we choose to bring them into our lives but I'll gladly take that because like you said, it's, it's bringing us together and it's nice to know like, well, I haven't seen my friends nearly as often and I can't get together with my family and we're together while we're apart. The new normal, these are all drinking phrases. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast now, we've dropped so many of the 2020 phrases if you took a shot every time you'd probably be half in the bag at this point so
0: i apologize it's unprecedented i know
1: it's unprecedented don't say unprecedented times people are going to be in the bag and off their rocker soon matthew uh but but, you know i've had friends tell me you know like boy i really need sports to come back soon nick because uh i don't know about you but i reached the end of netflix or like i finished amazon prime there's nothing else for me to watch so yeah the ratings for Basketball games, even for the beginning of baseball, were up, and I'm very curious to see because obviously there's nothing more popular in England and throughout Europe than the beautiful game, football, spelled with an F and a U. Of course, here we spell, we say, we talk about a different sport when we mention football. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens with American football in just a few weeks because prior to us getting it, the number one watched program, not just sport in America, obviously is football, and We're at a a really interesting uh, precipice right now because college football, two of the five power conferences, they call them the Power Five, two of the five major conferences have decided to punt on their season. They're postponing their major college football activities this fall in hopes that they could play in the spring. Now, three of the other conferences are still hoping to play, but these are are games and big teams who have 100,000 people inside their stadium, another 100,000 outside of the stadium, towns that will be adversely affected that where you could see mom and pop shops uh, beloved eateries and uh, ale houses possibly going under or having to temporarily shutter their doors college campuses you know that are usually rife with joy and imbibing and, and cooking and, and tradition and screaming and laughter and mirth that'll now just be like you know graveyards and ghost towns for a while and at the same time also on the broadcast side you'll have all of these games that usually account for tens and 20 of million people uh, streaming and watching on TV. Now the NFL has a chance to take over part of that landscape. So you could possibly see the National Football League put two games maybe on a Saturday or three games. They could maybe sell them to an alternative streaming service so as to make up for some of their lost revenue. So you could already see the most dominant television program in America, National Football League broadcasts, own another day. So they could be the king on Saturday, the king on Sunday, the king of Monday night, the king of Thursday night. It could be remarkable. Some people believe they may water their product down too much. Other people uh, who have just been desperate for some sense of normalcy and who are tired of taking Zoom meetings and homeschooling their kids will probably welcome a chance to find their favorite chair, a 16-ounce can of liquid relaxation and, you know, hang them high and kick off and let's go.
0: But, I mean, even from a revenue perspective, I, I pulled up the numbers, right? the NFL is by far the biggest revenue generator in professional sport. The number I have is 12 billion dollars yes. on one season in revenue. And if you compare that with the English Premier League, it's 6 billion. Major League Baseball is nearly 10 billion and NBA is nearly 8 billion. We talked about how it brings society together and culturally and it helps us relieve anxiety. But from an economic perspective, you've got to go ahead, right? It's got to happen. Otherwise, there's going to be even more devastating economic consequences with,
1: with what's happening right now. We sort of say, you know, half in jest now, like, oh, you know, well, our, our, our kids will figure this out, you know, in a few years. Or I don't have time or I just don't have the mental wherewithal, or the, the strength to try to figure out exactly how we're going to come out of this and how we'll reopen certain places and, and pay the tab on this unbelievable and and devastating year if they were to shut down all operation of the nfl in addition to the fact like you said it's a 12 billion dollar league every year that doesn't even really account for that's just basically for the gate for the merchandise the tickets and the broadcast rights if you're if you think about you know like i said because i go and i i cover tailgates and i talk to fans and i try to get a broad picture of what the experience is like um from College Station, where Texas A&M plays, to Patriots games, Yankee Stadium, um, I've had the good fortune of basically traveling the country and seeing the way people attend, celebrate, and consume sports in in almost every capacity. For the NFL alone this season, teams are scheduled to miss out on generating between 150 to 350 million. Is how much the New England Patriots would lose if they have no fans in the stands. The Dallas Cowboys with their gigantic alien ship down in Arlington, Texas, the Jerry Jones Dome AT&T Stadium, they're scheduled to miss out on making up to 600 million dollars this year. This is massive massive revenue. If the NFL is able to pull off a season with broadcast rights, all 16 games, playoffs and Super Bowl but no fans in the stands, they will miss out on making somewhere in the ballpark of 7 billion dollars. Now, Crimea River, they'll still haul in 5 billion, but that's a massive impact on our economy, not to mention the local package store that sells you your hard seltzers or your IPAs uh the butcher where you like to get your favorite sausages and steaks and hot dogs to grill up the merchandise guy who walks around the parking lot selling you your t-shirts and your hat and the scarf and everything that you impulse purchase for the kids depending on how good the game goes all of that like it's it's really mi- it's mind blowing to think how how big it is but you know hopefully people will you know have enough money to be able to you take in the games at home and find ways to replicate that environment while they have to and still enjoy the games because uh there aren't a lot of other joys right now to lean on.
0: That tees me, ties me up perfectly for what I, I wanted to discuss next. You know that AT&T Stadium in Arlington? Mm-hmm. I had dinner on the halfway line once on there. It was a company thing. Well... It was an incredible, incredible stadium. We actually also had the ability to visit the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta recently. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and they gave us a tour, and it was just incredible. Now, and the one thing I see when I'm watching the NBA at the moment, and I was watching the Raptors the other night, I see this AT&T 5G advertising it everywhere. And I saw that in the AT&T Stadium uh, in, in Dallas – they have fitted it all out with 5G technology. Right. And I know Verizon have done 12 NFL stadiums that has gone in there. And also Barcelona in Spain are doing this thing now where what they're trying to do, and, and it's perfect timing if you think what's happening in the world, they're trying to bring that stadium experience into the home with this technology. So you, you wear virtual reality headsets. They use augmented reality to give you all sorts of different stats and things like this. And they're actually working on this now, uh, FC Barcelona. And it's something that we're looking at from a sort of technology perspective to go, wow, this is a really powerful sort of use case for 4G. But they're already doing this in Korea and they're bringing augmented reality. So you can be watching the game, you know, through a reality headset and they have like dinosaurs and lizards and all sorts of stuff flying into the stadium (laughs) for the game. And it's adding this extra dimension and they're loving it because Korea is kind of way ahead with some of this stuff. Oh, for sure. It brings me on to my next point. So what does the future look like? If, if people can't get to the stadiums or might be reluctant to go to the stadiums, what do you think has
1: changed or what do you think has changed forever? Looking forward. I mean, the, the in stadium experience has already changed. And there have been some attendance issues in some sports uh i you know I know the NFL is still the king, but it's because they've had to keep up with the times when you're at a game, be it uh you know a game that has undersold perhaps let's say for the Jacksonville Jaguars where they have uh, fifty thousand people attending a game, or you have the jerry jones dome a t and t stadium in in Arlington with a hundred thousand fans or more with that ginormous television up top yeah. people are so consumed. With um, their social media, they're checking their fantasy football scores. So you have to have really good Wi-Fi or five G technology in the stadium. It's a different time. This is just you know, it's not the good old days there, Matthew. Where people would wear a wool suit and take their dame and their children down to the old ballpark to see a a good old doubleheader, grab a hot dog and a beverage. We're talking about now people being completely technology consumed and obsessed. They're uh, they're watching. They're they're in the middle of watching the. We'll say the. The Cowboys play the Eagles, or the Patriots play the Dolphins, and at the same time on their phone they're streaming the Red Zone channel, which is the mm. TV, the cable channel that only has highlights of scoring plays or nonstop football action on Sundays.
0: Yeah. So
1: the contemporary viewer is consumed with taking in as much of this action and excitement as possible. Um, how it'll change, I think it's going to change in two ways. There'll be a reluctance for people to adopt that more technologically centric. Uh, Barcelona or Korean approach to wearing you know oculus or some sort of virtual reality experience from home because I think you'll still have a large set of the diehards and people who say there's you know there's nothing like the in-person experience and we'll always need that energy and that passion in the stadium and uh, you know I, I, I I'm one of those people, but at the same time, I understand how taxing and expensive and time consuming it can be to go to a stadium and now of course we have our hesitation over our health and contact with our fellow man who could be asymptomatic to this great virus and plague of the 21st century. So I I, I had posited on our radio station, and at first it was met with a little guff and brushback, but now I think people have kind of understood. A few months ago, I had suggested that I could see a renaissance of drive-in movie theaters, uh, since no one's going to movie theaters and we can't have live fans at games, so there's a little bit of the what's old is new again factor because you have people going to watch pay-per-view events, UFC fights, uh, concerts now at drive-in theaters, uh, old-time movies. Now people are going, they're setting up temporary drive-ins to watch baseball games. This fall, I would not be surprised at all if outside some stadiums, they'll set up drive-in style viewing so people could drive, set up a tailgate yeah. and watch the games. And people yeah. at home like myself who have younger kids and want to synthesize that experience, but still make sure that they're not abandoning their spouses or, the, or their responsibilities. Uh, I personally, um, you know, saved up a couple of bucks, maybe, you know, carved off a little slice of my stimulus check. And I, I bought a screen and a digital projector and some nice speakers. So in my backyard, I now can watch baseball games. In addition to being able to watch movies with my children, I can watch baseball games. And I plan on finding a way to bring my friends over since I can't go to the pub and I can't go to the game with them. I'll bring them to my yard, perhaps, you know, and we'll rotate the way they usually do with a tailgating crew at a game. So yeah. this week I'll cook. My f- this friend will bring the snacks. This person will bring the drinks. And we'll be able to synthesize that normalcy that we look forward to all, all year long. And while it'll be unique, different, and new, uh, new normal, okay, sorry, everyone, you can just chug on that one. At the same, <laughs> at the same time, I think we're, we, we've found how resourceful we can be. And I think we're going to like it. Whether or not this affects people actually going to games going forward is the question I'll be anxious to see play out and have answered over the next one to three years because I have a feeling a lot of people are gonna say, gee whiz, it cost me three hundred dollars to go to an NFL game on a Sunday, but for seventy five bucks, I can do the whole thing in my backyard, my kids are there, yeah. and I don't and I don't owe my spouse uh, you know, a day in return for having gone to the ballpark or the stadium. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's a really good point. And actually, I saw it happening here. I saw in Toronto that the, there was a, a lot of people went to a drive-in movie theater to watch, you know, the Leafs the other night. Unfortunately, they got beaten and they're out.
1: Uh, <laughs> Again. I, I feel I feel terrible. And by the way, uh, I'm sure the same is said of, you know, New England and Boston sports to many other uh, rooting root cities of interest and, and opponents. But for some reason, Toronto fans gathering in that town square has always produced some of the most delicious defeat tears for me as a Boston sports fan. <laughs> I don't know why, but they are like barbecue sauce caught underneath your fingernail—delicious. I apologize, but I don't. At the same time, <laughs> Toronto and Boston are sneaky great, sneaky great opponents. Matthew. Yeah,
0: well, they played. They they played in the in the baseball the other night. I watched. I I watched Eh, the, you know, but obviously the the Blue Jays are sort of barred from Canada at the moment. They're playing out in Buffalo, right? So that's, that's know strange.
1: The the Blue Jays are basically now Tom Hanks and Castaway. Like their mascot should just be Wilson the Volleyball this season (laughs) because they don't have a home.
0: (laughs) Cool. Right. So listen, I'm going to have a bit of fun with you now, uh, Nick. I hope you're okay with this because I know um, I like a laugh you're a super comedian and I, I thought of something and you mentioned it earlier when you said premier league and in, in what I thought was quite a brilliant English accent, but Oscar Wilde said that great Britain and the United States are two countries separated by the same language. Right. But Matt Roberts said that great Britain and uh, the United States are two countries separated by a different sports language. Right. And I know that you've spent time in the UK You've been to some games, you've seen the NFL there. And I was, I, you know, I've, I've been in Canada a number of years now, and I was watching some cricket the other day with my daughter. And my daughter, uh, she spent most of her life here in Canada now. And the, the, it was English cricket commentators. And they were talking the language of cricket. And my daughter turned to me and said, I've got no idea what these guys are talking about. This is stupid. I'm going. What's happening here? And she, she and I, it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. So, And then I knew that we were speaking. So I reached out to my vast social media following. I have 10 followers
1: on Twitter. Well done. I, well done. <laughs> well, And I, I said, you could speak Mandarin, Farsi, or Aramaic right now. And I would probably have a better guess as to what you're saying if you're going to give me a cricket quiz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's not necessarily cricket, Okay. but I said to them, I said, what are the most bizarre English sporting terms that you hear in rugby, soccer or cricket? Oh. And I had a really good response from all my friends, mm-hmm. and I thought I would test you with these, Nick. I'll test you. if You may know them, right? They may be obvious and you may know them. But if you don't know them, I I'd, I think it would be funny and humorous to just get your interpretation of what they could be referring to how does that sound I
1: have never ever in my life on stage the radio behind a microphone or in a podcast been afraid to make a fool of myself play the jester or get out over my skis so by all means (laughs)
0: Um, what I think would be good is maybe you can these terms can cross the Atlantic and you can use them in your shows and your commentary I think that would be uh, this is an in potentially a, a a British import I don't know we'll see Oh, you never know. Oh, thank you. Oh, what a, what
1: a, what a delightful olive branch by all means. <laughs> okay. <laughs> since we, since we, ste- since we steal everything from you in the first place, be it the birth of our nation, the best rock bands, uh, all of our American superheroes are played by Brits. I feel like that's your sneaky revenge Whoa. that everything that we, everything that we love listen to or watch that is iconic in our lives is technically British in the first place. So I see what you guys are up to and I'm not, and I'm, And I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad.
0: Well, we'll start with a cricket one, right? And my interesting fact of the day, the first ever international cricket match in the middle of the 19th century was actually between the United States and Canada. We talked about the Blue Jays and the Red Sox a minute ago, but back uh, 150 years ago, the first ever international cricket game was between the USA and Canada. That's amazing, isn't it?
1: Wow. Anyway. I, ma- I imagine there were tens of millions of fans who waited for uh, highlights and updates via telegram. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think they heard some of these <laughs> phrases and said, well, to heck with this, so let's go play baseball instead. This sounds stupid. Anyway, so um, here's my first one for you. Let's see if you can figure out what this one is, Nick. This is from Cricket. All right. And the term would be,
1: he's just broken his duck. He's broken his duck? Ah, uh, yeah. He's broken his duck. Um. Uh, the obvious answer would be that he has he has, he's has cracked his uh, it'd be the equivalent of like shattering his bat in baseball that he's cracked his that he's cracked his paddle but for some reason that seems too obvious. so I'm gonna say um, that somebody was on a hitless streak and sort of and um, uh, ended a hitless streak by getting a hit or or making a productive play.
0: Yeah, you got it. you got it that's good well done let's go. let's go one 0 so here we go, Nick. Here we go. <laughs> so to break one duck means to score a first run in an innings, thus breaking it. Ah, a there pick. we go. A duck ah. egg is also known as a a blob, and while a duck can refer to a player who hasn't scored, so if you're out for a duck, you're out before you've scored. So you got that one. Well done, Nick. One nil to you.
1: Thank you. You know, and of course, in American football, uh, a duck. Is a poorly thrown pass or like something that doesn't follow a spiral and wobbles throughout the air. Ah, okay. okay. Right.
0: Right. Now we're going to switch sports to rugby. We're going to go okay. to international rugby. Right. But mm-hmm. so what do you think this means? That was a very
1: passionate hacker. A very passionate hacker. Uh, okay. I imagine they, uh, I don't know if they still call like, a scrum where they put the ball down and everyone sort of like holds arms like in a prayer circle but beat the holy hell out of each other um, a wicked hacker um, I'm gonna is that a, is that a is that a is that a clean tackle is that like a a, a tackle in rugby? No,
0: I'll, I'll give you a, okay. a, a hacker, and this refers more to New Zealand, is the
1: traditional mm-hmm. war dance done by the New Zealand rugby. Oh, Warwick the hacker, dance. yes, yeah. which resembles the Maori warrior dance. Yeah. Oh, okay, because in Boston, if we say, like, that was a wicked hacker, yeah. that is somebody who gets up to the plate and takes three wild swings and strikes out. <laughs> <laughs> what and, a hacker that guy is. And, and, and a hacker is
0: typically something you would try to do after 12 pints of lager. If your team yep. won uh, on a Saturday night, so okay, oh. so there we go. We're, we're, we're no shame on,
1: in that. No.
0: On, uh, we're back on level. So I want to go back to cricket again. Okay, mm-hmm. and this this is something from the. This was first used in the eighteen eighties, and is is a term that's used in in many different forms of of British life now. But if you're on a sticky wicket, what do you think that means?
1: Oh, um, that. Uh, I believe that's a hitting streak. No, okay. So- uh, no, a sticky, a sticky. Uh, the wickets are. Uh, uh, well, I I don't know. Um, uh, a sticky wicket. I should know that because that's something I've heard before. But since it had no no application in my life other than to be something that I would say once and then forget. Um, a sticky wicket. Okay, you gave me a you gave me a, a provisional on that, so I will say a sticky wicket. Is um, <laughs> um, it's not a hitting streak. Okay, um, a sticky wicket is a uh, uh, it's a great catch. Okay, uh, so
0: what it refers to? Stumps. So the wicket is the the um the land between the t- the the two stumps, right? That you run between, and after it, after it rains, it can behave unpredictably. So hence ah. the phrase "sticky wicket." And in the eighteen eighties. The first time Sticky Wicket was actually used in a literal sense, and it became prominent in the 1950s for any situation that was difficult. So, you know, if I was to, uh, I don't know, do, you know, crash my car, I could quite easily say I'm on a Sticky Wicket. So there's one there.
1: Or yes, or coming home coming home uh later than you promised your spouse, or perhaps o- over-served overserved when you didn't mean to be like, well, it looks like I'm gonna be on a exactly, sticky wicket tonight exactly. there
0: exactly <laughs> I've been on many a sticky <laughs> wicket with my wife
1: in previous, oh uh, the pandemic. <laughs> my better half can recount one in many a sticky wicket as well I'm actually going to that, – that's <laughs> that's the first one I'm definitely gonna uh, uh I'm gonna walk walk with and incorporate into my daily vernacular that's great, okay, love that.
0: Okay, cool. Right. So here's one that applies to soccer, rugby, and I think it may apply to U.S. football as well. But what is a hospital pass?
1: Oh, a hospital pass is when you, uh, this definitely applies to American football. A hospital pass is when you throw put the ball up someplace where somebody who would have to receive it is uh, potentially in harm's way or likely to get clobbered, tackled, or smashed upon reception. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. You got it. And I love the the definition that I picked up where it says, uh, any pass that is made poorly and in panic, which has the inevitable and unavoidable consequence of injuring the receiver.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yes, that's a delicate, that's a delicate way of saying like, wow, Peyton Manning really threw a hospital ball right yeah. there to Austin Colley. Uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are known for you know, putting the ball over the middle and oh, it looks like they made it, you know, it looks like a good pass and a completion first down, but, uh, they probably just took about a half, a half, a, a half a season or a year off of that guy's life. Yeah.
0: Okay. So here's one, here's another one still in the world of soccer. Uh, let's see if this, if this one makes sense. If, if you were playing soccer and you had to take an early bath, what has happened to you?
1: Uh, <laughs> had to take an early bath. um, uh you were thrown out of the game that's a red card yes you got it ah yes there you go there you go there we go there we go now that's something else i have said many a time in my life where you know i've used it on my kids where like they misbehave and i'll even say to them out loud like okay that's a yellow card and they're like you know if only they could be a little more articulate they would probably say like Father, while we appreciate your co-opting sports terminology and in, in our discipline in our daily lives, we have no idea what you're talking about. So why don't you say, "Knock it off," or you don't get to watch TV later on. But of course, I always like to be clever and incorporate sports. Uh, oh, I think life—I think life should come with yellow cards and red cards. I think we all should be allowed to carry them in our pockets, so that when someone, you know. Uh, you know, comes on to our spouse or spills something on us, you know, they get a yellow card or they immediately get a red card and, like, that's it, you're out of the game.
0: Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. Okay, I've got another one for you here. And you're doing well. I'm really impressed, actually. You're doing exceptionally well. Let's see if you can get this one. There's a bit of geography in this one as well. And I'm going to go back to cricket. Okay. In cricket, if the pitch is an absolute jaffa, what do you think that means? <laughs>
1: it's an absolute yeah. jaffer it's a yeah. jaffer um it, it, oh um oh it's in it's in an utter and com, it's in an utter and complete disrepair it's it's the opposite oh it's it's pitch perfect yes exactly it's yeah. a jaffer that see that's just sort of sounds like how could any how could a word like jaffer possibly mean uh uh, polished, pristine, or in exemplary condition.
0: Well, I did some research. I did some research, okay. and and it refers to Jaffa oranges from the Jaffa port um, near Tel Aviv in Israel. If you had a Jaffa orange, it was rich and delicious, and the best kind of orange you could have. So back in the in the olden days of English cricket, a Jaffa was a, a sort of term of quality and class.
1: Wow, we had wow, we had we had to go. I, Anytime that, that that it involves uh, halfway around the world and a citrus fruit, there's a really good chance I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna swing it and a miss on that one. Uh, so what so what would like a uh, so what would like if it's a, if it's a total if it's a total bari that would be uh, it would be the the outcome today was a total bari because or a total capri, which means it would be named after the the lemons of Capri, which are the largest and most sour in the world. <laughs> or it's a kefir, named after the beautiful Kafir limes, which are both sweet and sour at the same time.
0: Oh God, that's funny! And we've got one more for you now, then Nick. One more. This is my favorite.
1: This is the. I think this is the. This is the decider right here, because no one ever wants to leave on a tie, because that's not how life works.
0: Yeah, this is the decider. All right. This is my favorite, and this is this was also the one. Well, it was the cleanest one that I got from my friends on social media. There was a couple of others that I'd get into trouble if if, if I tried to to talk through. But so here it is. If uh, and this as if if an English cricket commentator said this, what would he be referring to? That was a vicious googly sent to his offside.
1: Oh, uh, a googly! You know what? I may know this because my only knowledge of cricket prior to this was a an American express commercial years ago that Jerry Seinfeld was in where I think he swung at a pitch and missed it. And he said, well, that was a wicked googly. So I want to say that a googly is a, uh, how did you describe it again? A vicious googly to the offside. A, a vicious, um, a vicious. So that was a a hard thrown ball away from the, away from the hitter.
0: Yeah. You got it. It's a spinner basically like a
1: curveball. Ah, yeah. A- there you go. Well done. <laughs> yes. Let's have a big, uh, Oh, oh, the crowd goes, the crowd, the virtual crowd goes wild. Oh, there's a champion celebration. I'm oh, so impressed
0: that this is, this is, is uh, this is quite a, I didn't think you'd get one of these because I thought these are all bizarre oh, British
1: turns. Oh, I'm pointing to the heavens right now. And, In the postgame, I want to thank the big man upstairs. I want to thank my parents for taking me to all those games. My dad for being a gambler. My mother for tolerating my dad. I want to thank everyone who picked on me and made me bad at playing sports, so I ended up watching it and trying to develop a sense of humor. My coaches, my training, everybody. All right, yes. What a time to be alive. This is the inaugural Fitzy Challenge,
0: and you nailed it. You're the first uh, triumphant winner, and I think – I think we should continue this tradition on future podcasts.
1: Normally the Fitzy Fitzy challenge involves trying to finish um, more hot wings and beers before the other guy, because you know know if you don't get after that last slice of pizza, he's going to take it and not apologize for it. And I'll tell you what, if we get a chance to return serve next year, perhaps, or at a future date where we re-examine exactly how the sporting landscape has altered our enjoyment of life on the great indoors or, or where we're perhaps be watching some of our games in the outdoors. It'll be, my, I would love to be able to return serve and quiz you on uh, some American sporting colloquialisms uh, on a future date.
0: I think that would only be fair and just, I think uh, absolutely. Nick. So we're almost towards the end of time. I want to say uh, really thanks. This has been, this has been the funnest podcast we we've, we've recorded so far.
1: I think it's been really great. Oh, it's it's my, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You know, I, I enjoy, uh, sharing a, a perspective on sports fandom, sports production, sports appreciation, uh, with anyone—be it a, a you know a, a new friend on a podcast I've just had a chance to speak to, or an old pal that I've shared many a ball game and beer with in my life—because it's it's so deeply rooted in coming from New England. Um, like I you know it's been a common bond in my household because I grew up going to games and watching them with my dad, and I could always though I though we pursued different lives. And like I said, and we were in broadcast and entertainment. We always had sports to come back to. Um, so many moments I've shared with family and friend. Um, I've been working with my brother for 15 years, producing our uh, interesting, unique, and oddball internet commentary productions and content, which has allowed me to you know, stay in touch and, and work with him. So everything somehow in a, a way, weird, unique, or entertaining shape or form, comes back to sports so i feel like whatever i can give back to it even though i stink at playing them i will always love talking about them watching them and, and being a part of them that's brilliant i really really appreciate it nick and um and thank you very much all right thank you and uh good game high five and uh first rounds on you
0: so that was a brilliant episode i want to say uh huge thanks to to nick fitzy stevens for joining us uh, and again a reminder please subscribe to our podcast through all the well-known podcast channels. Visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. And we'll see you next time for episode eight. Thank you very much. Bye.